Hello. Oh, good morning, sir. How are good you? Good morning. How are you today? I am doing quite well. Ooh, my chair's getting noisy. Ooh. What's Ooh. happening to it? What's with it? Oh, it's just really old. Is it the creaky one? Yeah. Is I that mean, the Aeron one you lifted from the... Uh... From that one place where yeah. I worked? <laughs> yeah, it's a whole bunch of stuff. Got office supplies, coffee filters. I never have to buy coffee filters again. That's awesome. <laughs> I call it severance. <laughs> that's the, uh, the New York term for it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's exactly right. They call it the New York Severance Plan. Right. <laughs> so what's going on way up there? Ooh, Ooh. It's a big day. It's a it's a it's a warm, cool, humid, dry morning in San Francisco. <laughs> nice. It's uh, it gets cold. Running. It gets really cold Ooh, there. So cold. It's penetrating. It does. You got to do layers. Oh, I'm. <laughs> First of all, yes, and. <laughs> I totally agree. Uh, and the thing is, it's very moist here a lot of the time. And though, so even just a little bit of wind, like the wind's kind of been whipping up lately. And, uh, and uh, it's very penetrating. It's a pen- I have three layers on. I, have th- <laughs> I just realized I have three different branded items on right now. What do you got? Polo? Mm-hmm. Eyes on? Polo. Uh, 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 polo by La- Ralph Lauren by <laughs> Polo. <laughs> no, no. I've got a uh, really cool Colossus t-shirt as my bottom layer. I've got a, uh, a a Deadpool thermal sweatshirt over that, and then I got my uh, Roderick on the Line uh, hoodie over that. Oh, nice! Which I've been wearing every day since February, and people are noticing. I think by now they would have to. It's really big and it's really warm. This is this is this is something you'll start thinking about as your blood thins, America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Get chilled to the bone. Ooh. I wear the T-shirt a lot, but I have yet to have anyone like visibly respond to it, other than sort of looking at it. Squinty, kind of one on line. Yeah. Oh, there's a reason for that. What? Well, you know, there aren't that many people that listen to the show, but most of them are celebrities, so they're probably just playing it cool. Oh, see, right. And if you see somebody in it, first of all, they're probably going to be a celebrity, and please don't say anything. Just, just give them the, uh, give them the uh, handshake, the little, the little nod. We can't really talk about it, obviously. Oh, oh, oh! Huge revelation for you. Follow up. Are we ready for follow up yet? Or are we still getting more? I'm, uh, no, I, I, you know, Dan, I have literally, literally nothing. I wrote down three things. Okay. Want to hear what I wrote down? Yes. Jingle, phrasing, are we living in a simulation? That's yes. literally all I have. Yes, the simulation I have, is... I mean, I sat here, I sat here for like three minutes and I could not think of anything to talk about. I know we'll find something to talk about. That's the nature of the program. Oh, it definitely I, I have literally nothing. If you, I would love for you to kick things off with some follow-up. Okay, well, in the last episode or, or few you've been talking a lot about mashups and i think one of the fun challenges of a mashup in taking it to the second level of enjoyment is not just saying cool mashup it's saying cool mashup i now really need to know every single song that's been used in the mashup mm-hmm. there is a website that will help with this i will put oh, it in, yeah, right. into the show notes uh, I was listening to uh, to Girl Talks. Uh, which one is it? It's part the part one thing, and uh, and and I was like, man, there's a couple in here. I just cannot figure the first, the first track on uh, uh, the animals. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, the one with the yeah. So it turns out that there is a website called Mashup Breakdown. Ooh. Uh, have you seen this site? Have you used the site? Uh, 
you go ahead. I, I, I might have. I, I've seen several of these. Uh, wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, look at that. Feed the Animals is right there. Yeah, Feed the Animals. Mashupbreakdown.com. Yes. Mashupbreakdown.com. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. This is, this is, this is Web 2.0. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. So as you play it, the it looks all if you're familiar with editing or have ever mixed on a podcast or messed with GarageBand, it almost looks like there's little tracks like in a GarageBand. Swim lanes, Dan. Swimming lanes. Call them minnows and guppies. So you hit play, and as the, the as the song plays, the different tracks, if you will, light up and show you which song is being played or sampled or whatever. And uh, it it it's great fun to watch. Oh my goodness! In this, this really. Manner. And it's, it, I see what you're saying. And so if there's, they got around the problem of multiple things playing at one time by doing the swim lane approach. So it starts out that the drums at the beginning, I guess, are a sped up Pretty Woman by uh, Roy Orbison. Roy Orbison. And, and you know what? My, my kid's really interested in this too. So like after we do it, then I made, I had to make a, make a playlist on Spotify of like the different songs that were used in these so that we could hear them in. And oh, I remember that one. Wow. Yeah. And Great then it's, fun. uh, Give me some lovin'. The do 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 And then the uh, play your part is <laughs> UGK mm-hmm. featuring Outcast International Players Anthem. I choose you. I choose you. I choose you. Is that a Pokemon reference? Uh, it is a Simpsons reference. I, I choose, choose, you. choose you. You choo choo choose me. Yeah. And there's a picture of a train. <laughs> um, Good. This is really cool. I don't. I had to unblock my flash. Yes. And now I don't want to crash my computer, so I'm gonna close the window. I'm gonna put this in the notes. There Do, you it. Go. Do it. Do yeah. it. Do it. Oh, uh, that's really cool. You know what else is neat is I don't think the Girl Talk dude did this, but I hope it's. I can't imagine that it would still be up on YouTube. But um, somebody produced videos for every song on Feed the Animals. Oh my god! And and it's exactly what you would hope which is they feature the actual original music videos and when the part of the prominent, I mean, it's pretty artistic. It's not, it's not like one of those patch jobs where somebody puts up a photo of what's in the lyrics, you know, those kind of dumb videos people make. But um, it actually shows the relevant part of the video to like what the prominent part of the song is. And now I want to go find that. I think my typing is getting louder. It's very loud. I love it. Yeah, yeah, feed the animals. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah, I did the same thing when um, I told you I was really obsessed with the one that's um, Dynamite and Under Pressure. Mm -hmm. And my daughter is very familiar with Under Under Pressure. Like Queen's Greatest Hits was our go-to driving music for like a year. (laughs) You have not lived until your, I guess at the time, (laughs) four-year-old kid can sing along on the kind of coda acapella coda of some someone to love by oh, yeah. queen that's find awesome. me somebody to love find <laughs> me somebody 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 find me somebody to anybody find me she does it better than me yeah people love it when i sing on the, on, on the program oh i love it yeah that's really cool yeah that is good um so now we just got like another hour <laughs> just <in>, yeah <laughs> Well, yeah, we've got an hour and we've got four sponsors. So, oh boy, oh, uh, email, boy, that's hard. <laughs> if deal with only email? there was a way to get through all of your email, and you would have zero emails. Yeah, so much email in your <laughs> inbox, and people keep sending you more email. It's like you answer. Can the we email. talk about the one email client? Can we talk about that? Um, I think they're. I don't know if we should. Yeah, okay. I'll just say that, um, you know, and I, I hear now I'm being that guy. Now I'm being really AFM guy. I've been <laughs> doing this for a couple of weeks. But um, 
<laughs> but uh, a bunch of people have been uh, testing a uh, new email client. I mean, the buzz is already somewhat out there. Yeah. Uh, is it Riedel? Is that the company? Yes. Who already make my go-to calendar app, Calendar 5, um, is, has an app that they are going to release soon. That is mm, my favorite email app I've used on iOS, full stop. Wow. Yeah. It's really great. It's really great. Uh, and I think it'll be out, you know, soon. But I don't want to say anything, but it'll be out soon. Uh, I hate to tease that, but you know, it's, it's their, it's their release. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. I mean, you don't want to steal their thunder. Well, I'd love to, I'd love to borrow their thunder. I just, I don't want to, I don't want to queer the deal, uh, you know, by letting the, the kitten out of the bunny, you know, let, you know what I'm saying, right? No, I totally do. But yeah. it's, it, it's going to be good. I mean, this is something special that we've needed and how soon until they're, you know, that's acquired by, uh, Dropbox or whoever. I said, uh, Who got I said the last it, one. Huh? Mailbox. Yeah, Mailbox is yeah. owned by Dropbox, yeah. and I think I think they. Uh, <laughs> I don't think they're doing a lot with it right now. No, it's Mailbox. You know, which has been my go-to for the longest time, still has some weird bugs. Uh, it doesn't, for me anyway, it doesn't quote text correctly, which is kind of crazy making. Um, but I, I ask uh, a Dennis, I think it's how it's pronounced at uh, at Riedel, if I could send out a you know get a couple more people into the beta and I sent it to a celebrity friend of mine who wrote me back within two hours saying there may be nothing about this app that I don't love. And that's a productivity friend who's a heavy email user. That's, that's a hell of a pull quote. That's something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's really interesting because uh, this, this is actually kind of a topic. Um, you know, you know, in talking about like when we had Slack as, as a, before we had Slack as a sponsor, I was mm-hmm. saying, you know, Slack seems great. And I, and it is it just seems like every twice a week you see another article about how Slack is not only changing, improving the workplace, but people actually really at this point anyway really enjoy using it. I th- I think that is hard to dispute that it has made life better for a lot of people in the office. The thing that I stand by is that Slack is is solving uh, very cannily solving uh, a subset of the problems with internet communication big time. Because it's streamlining. Any app that can streamline this many different sources of input and give you control over it is a good thing. I, I continue to say that the, the problem with email uh, is that you, as long as there's anybody in the world that you consider potentially important, or that, that you know, even people you haven't met yet, like that's probably how they're going to contact you. That, and that's what, that's the thing is that your email inbox, it's very difficult for that to ever become something that you can just stop checking. And even if you do stop checking, there's still going to be some part of your brain going, like, I wonder if my high school sweetheart is uh, finally wants to go out with me. I wonder if there's a job offer in there that I'm missing. I wonder if, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, whatever your version of that is, as long as there's any part of you that wonders what a stranger might want from you, email will be a part of your life. And then that just becomes a question of how long you can not, you know, look at it. I, I, you know what I mean? And, you know, the thing is, I think also email is, it's not going away by any stretch, but I think I have felt for a long time, maybe three year, two or three years now, that more and more people feel like are adopting my own standpoint, uh, my own point of view of saying, like, I, I kind of give up on email. Like, I'm going to do what I can today, but I'm done with feeling bad about email. Do, do you know what I mean? I totally get what you're talking I don't know about. If, I don't know if I'm putting this well, but does that... Does that make sense? Well, elaborate on it. Okay, just quickly. Um, I mean, there was a time that I, I believed, let's put it this way. If email is like how you primarily communicate with people, well, then, you know, that's, you've got to, you've got to get on that. You, the expect, if there are known expectations of you, right? And let's just talk about in the workplace. 
if there are known expectations from your team, from uh, other staff, people you don't know, and it is, as in most places, the standard way to contact somebody, whether you know them or not, is through email. So you have a relationship with email, whether you like it or not. Anybody who starts a new job can tell you that you know on the first day, it's like a Windows box in the wild. Like on the first day, you're going to be getting email. Maybe for the person who used to have your job, people who don't know you, people who are asking about things that didn't get done before you were hired. That happens. My wife just started a new job and this kind of thing happens. So that's in that relationship, I think there is there are methodologies and states of mind and practices that you can adopt that will make that less stressful and slightly less impossible. But it's going to mean that email becomes a big part of your job. And I think you have to accept that if you're in that position. And so the frustrating part in that case is there may be a lot of worker bees out there who have accepted that. And then what's maybe difficult for some folks to understand is that, well, maybe we're not getting as much productive stuff done because people are playing defense on email and meetings, for example, like all week long. So that, that's where I feel like there are, there are ways that you can try to get better in your little half acre. That's where something like an inbox zero type approach can be useful. Um, because otherwise, you're just going to spend a lot of time not getting things accomplished rather than spending time getting some things accomplished. So something it, clicked clicked for me while you were talking about about mm-hmm. work and email. And I remember the last time I actually felt like I was on top of the whole email thing was was when I had a job, a full-time job. I feel like I could I it was easier for me than when I ran my own business or was doing freelance or whatever because like now Email is just sort of this giant thing. And so I might have one email from, uh, you know, from a friend who's like, hey, when are you coming to San Francisco? Let's see if we can get a meal when you're out here. Uh, and then the next email is an urgent thing from a sponsor saying, we need to change the copy for the next episode. And then the next email is, you know, a picture of, uh, of you know, my kids at a pond. And then the next email is something from their school. And then the next one is a host asking to reschedule. And the next one is an update about a flight I'm booking, you know, like, and then there's 10 spam, but it's all mixed together. It's all jumbled together. And yet it shows up in one window. And it just occurred to me as I'm hearing you talk about it, how to use your term, how bananas that is, because in what other area of your life do you get so, and I'm realizing this is one of the big challenges for me. Do you get so many things all mixed together and jumbled up, Mm -hmm. you know, even on TV, which is notorious for throwing a million different things at you? You know, if you put on ESPN, you're expecting to see stuff about sports. But if all of a sudden, you know, there is an anime cartoon on for 15 minutes and then it went back to a football game and then it was the headline news, you know, and then it was a soap opera, you'd be pretty confused. Is this a thing, or am oh, I no. just? I think I, th- I, t- I completely agree with you, and that's that's even setting aside. That's just talking about new mail. We're not even talking about the mail that's already in there that you may have read, or maybe haven't read, or you've processed, or not processed, or you've done something about, or haven't done something about. Or let's be honest, the possibly dozens of emails you keep if you're a pack rat, the dozens of emails in there that don't need anything done about them, and you just haven't made that decision yet. That's setting all of that aside. I think you're absolutely right. I think a better example might even be. Uh, you're sitting there watching something dumb on TV and your device automatically changes the channel 
to something that you know you really want. <laughs> right. And you go, oh, this is great. This is, uh, you know, this is the Gilligan's Island with the, uh, the human hunter guy. This is great. I totally want to watch this. And then that's on for a second, but then another thing pops up. Yeah. And maybe that it takes over and that's, that might be an ad or it might be something else. Or your screen suddenly does some Steven Soderbergh thing where it splits into 16 panels and there's 16 different shows running at once. And as soon as you click one, another one comes up. I mean, that's that's an exaggeration, but not by much. It's not really an exaggeration. That's exactly what email to me feels like. Whereas right. if, if I can like, I remember it used to be when I had a full-time job, we were always talking about work stuff. And I mean, I might have two or three projects that I was on, but like mostly it was within a context. And now there's, it. it's almost like you're forced into this jumpy state of mind. That, oh, that, yeah. that, that makes it so hard to like process all of this, even if it's within the context of, 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 of one thing that you do for a living. There's so many different, oh my gosh, it's just, it's crazy. And you can tell I've been having a problem with this. I have, I really have. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, I, I totally agree. And it's why, um, wherever possible, I always turn off badges on iOS, meaning the little red circle that tells you how many of something is in there. And that varies. If you're in OmniFocus, you might want that to tell you that there are three items due today. If it's your calendar, you might want it to say there's three events today. <laughs> the most baffling to me is where a calendar lets you have the day of the month appear as the badge. Seems really weird to me. So if it's the 30th, <laughs> it says 30 on there. Right. Right? It's like, ah, I, I turn all <laughs> of those off wherever I can because it's meaningless um, to me. Here's why I say that. So you get a badge on mail.app or on iOS and you let that badge says 67. 67 what? 67 unread emails. Okay. And that to me feels a little bit like going out to your mailbox and having 67 identical looking envelopes and maybe boxes, maybe a mix of different things. But let's just say for the sake of argument, 67 number nine size business envelopes with the, with all faced with the, the uh, addresses faced away from you. And you got to go look at every single one of those. You got to go look at every single one of those to decide which one of those is important. So just me knowing there's 67 items. If you knew there were 67 items in your mailbox every day, like your, your physical mailbox, like you'd freak. Oh, you'd be yeah. like, what is all this stuff? Because then what do you have to do? Well, obviously, it's probably mostly junk. It's probably mostly ads. But if there's something super important in there, how are you going to find out until you've looked at every single one of them? You have to look at 67 different items to go find that thing that's from your boss or find that thing that's from a client, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I, I, that's, that becomes part of the problem. And until you accept that difference, until you're willing to apply that same template from physical, you know, IRL life to how your inbox works, you'll never really be able to deal with, as you say, the bananas nature of email. And that, so that gets us to, to the, the bottom line and why I like to tell people in a way that I, I would like to think is hopeful, how hopeless email is. That as long as you're clinging to that hope that this is ever going to be something you can do, well, you're going to have problems. You have to do the best you can in context every day, I think. Because if that becomes your top, quote unquote, priority to be great at email, there's so much stuff you're going to have to move aside. Why? Because you have zero control over who puts anything in that inbox. That's, that's the difference. Like with Slack, I, I assume you could just go and, I don't know, maybe you can mute people. You could say, I don't want to be in this group anymore. And that will certainly have social ramifications. But if you if there's this source of noise in your life, you can unsubscribe from from things in life as in email. But that doesn't change the complete access that people have to you. 
And so why do I say the envelope thing? Well, the importance of the envelope analogy is exactly what you described, which is that there is, until you go and look, there is no way to distinguish the importance of these two different things. Further to that point, if there's something that looks important, you still need to unpack it. You still need to read it. You still need to think about what to do about it. And that has costs and it's not scalable. So, you know, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day, just talking about, you know, and I'm going to put up, put up the douche umbrella for a minute. I know this sounds unkind. The one problem with email is it's very unusual. Emails come in even numbers if you're being a polite person, right? So the problem is every email that I get almost always turns into at least four emails. Right. And so really think about that. So start out with your however many, your 67 envelopes. If you went and did something with everything where somebody was addressing you in there, think about what happens. And I'll, you know, here's a typical example. And it's why I tend to respond kind of quickly to people sometimes. Uh, I, I would like to be engaged with everybody, but I kind of can't because I can't have, you know, the, the emails that become four emails then very frequently become eight emails. And here's why. Uh, Pate, I like your show. Uh, I like when you talked about this thing. And I say, I write back and I say, thank you. Uh, I, I, I appreciate that. And, off, and I'm being honest, like I do appreciate that. And when somebody says that it's really helpful, like that's giant, I'm very happy to respond and say, thank you for saying that. But then now that I've written back, it's not unusual for somebody to write back to me and say, also, here's the thing I wrote about that, uh, which is super nice, right? Like what could be better? But now I've got a third email and now I've got homework. <laughs> and then I, have to, I respond to that person and I say, thanks, I'll put this in this paper. I'll look at it when I get a chance. So now what started out as, again, a very nice thing. I'm giving you the best case example. Right. This is a great example of something that makes everybody happy, but it is for emails. Now take that and apply that to any of the situations that are not optimal. And suddenly you're going, oh, hey, you know, I really like your podcast about business. Um, I'm a prominent Kindle author and thought leader, and you should <laughs> interview me on your show. And I say, hi, we've never had a guest on this show. Please don't do that. And then they write back and say, well, why wouldn't, you have, why wouldn't you have me on your show? And I say, you're not listening to me, so, right? So there's that kind of thing you get into. Yeah. And the problem is that does not scale. There's just, there's no way to, to scale. And then, so then the, the, the problem that comes out of all of that is that not responding to somebody will at best seem a slight and at worst seem an act of aggression. Like if you don't respond to somebody's email and they expect you to respond to their email, remember now, they have the keys. They are the ones who have set the terms for that expectation, whether you tacitly ever agree to it or not. There's a lot of arguments I won't get into with people simply because, like on the internet or in life, I just won't get into an argument with somebody because I don't agree on the basic framing of the argument. You know, the basic have you stopped beating your wife kind of argument. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, no, there's no way we can have this argument because your terms for how you frame this don't agree with reality and I'm not going to have that conversation. Not true with email. Somebody is, has a high expectation from you and a lot of urgency. They have basically established that relationship on their terms, whether you like it or not. And so if you don't write back in the way that they expect it, you're the dick. And that is a problem that will never go away because I, you know, I think email, everybody says that you know, every application evolves to eventually have messaging built into it. All right? you'll, you'll eventually have messaging in every app or a social component. So anyway, that's all I was going to say about that. You know, sorry, that was long. No, I mean, the, the thing is, when you, when I'm, as I listen to you talk about this, everything is about 
notifications now. The watch, Apple Watch, all of these other devices. Oh, it's a glance. I look at I now I look at my wrist instead of uh, having to pull my phone out of my pocket. I I just don't think, and I this is where I feel like. Not like I'm out of touch, but like where I feel like there's a, for the first time in my life, there is a big difference between me and the people for whom uh, technology is being built. Because I don't want, and people are saying that's not what the watch is about. It's not about getting more notifications. It's about learning about the important ones. If something is really important, which is, you know, my my wife's car broke down. My my kids need me to pick them up for some reason. Uh, there's a, a server is down somewhere. An application has stopped working that's important. You know, I'm going to take my phone out anyway because I need to respond to those things usually by voice. You know, the idea of having something that's giving me this constant contact, constant feedback with things. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. I really don't want that. I only want constant contact with the thing or the people who are right in front of me in the in, in the real world. And I, I don't want more notifications. I don't want less obtrusive notifications. I don't want any notifications unless they're really, really important. And going back to the whole meditation thing, when, when I, before I had kids, when, and even, you know, the first few years of my first kid's life, when I was meditating almost an hour a day, every day at a minimum, you become so aware, tangibly aware of Subtle changes in your mood, in your thought process, in the, you know, because your whole point is being mindful throughout the day. Meditation isn't, I think people have this, this concept that I, oh, meditation, you know, that's where I sit down and like get all relaxed and then I uh, feel good and then I go and have my day. I think no. most people look at it as, as being the equivalent of a nap. Right, right. It's the thing I go and do to unplug for a while so that I can get back to the rat race. Right, but what it really is, is training for the rest of your day. It's yeah. preparation. It's, it's, it's a training so that if you're going out there, if you're a, a professional athlete, you're going to be training for the Olympics. When you go out there and run or lift or whatever it is that you're doing to prepare, you're not doing that so that you have bigger quads or whatever. You're doing it so that you can perform better when it matters. And meditation is your practice. That's why they call it a practice because you're practicing for the rest of your life. You're trying to slow those things down. And I remember when I was in this deep, practice where uh, you know like i i found it very very difficult to watch even just regular tv because everything seemed it's not like i had become oversensitized to things but i just i noticed so much more about it and things like casual violence became kind of stressful and you know even just listening to music a lot was like wow, there's there's a lot going on in this song that I don't necessarily want in my head as opposed to before where it would get in and I wouldn't quite notice. Does that make any sense? And I mm-hmm. feel like these this whole concept of, of notifications and everything, like the first thing I do when I install an app or something like that is like turn off the notifications. You know, I don't have email running all day. I go in and I'm I'm going to do email now, like an, like an old person. I'm going to do email now, and then I'm going to stop doing email, and I'll get as much done as I can in that block of time. And it's the only way that I can really focus on the other things that I need to do. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that you make a good point about the going and doing email. Um, I mean, one, you know, one thing that's changed, I guess, in the last 10 to 15 years is the emergence of things like social networks that let us have informal ways to keep in touch with people. And I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to personally get into the Apple watch thing. Cause I haven't spent, I haven't, I haven't even touched one. So, um, I, I, everybody's got their reasons. I think it's worth saying, I think it's, I, I think it's totally legitimate to say, yeah, I know this thing is silly. It's just fun. And I want it. Like, I'm okay with that. Me too. Um, I, although I do agree about the, the notifications aspect of what you're saying. And, and here's why. If, um, think about the stuff that you have to take very seriously in life and and not just the morose things, but like if you're having like a a really a serious, like a business negotiation, uh, partnership type conversation with somebody, if you're having a relationship conversation with your partner, if you're having a discussion about a difficult topic with your child, if you're taking somebody to the doctor, if you're buying funeral care, there's all this stuff that is maybe not desirable, but it is really important and you've really got to do it and you've really got to focus on it. Now, I'm deliberately picking out examples that are going to be hard to dispute because just to make the point, but what do all the things have in common? You're not really looking forward to doing them, but you accept that there are things that you have to do because that's, that's your job. This is one of your top level jobs is to get this kind of stuff done. Then below that, with varying degrees of importance and urgency, there are many, many, many other things that you kind of have to deal with, right? Um, and I guess I feel like it to me is emblematic of how not seriously people take email that they would have any kind of device, whatever that is, that gives them a little bloop every time there's a new email. Mm-hmm. That to me is emblematic of how not seriously you take it. Because I'm not saying you should be grim about email, but if you took it that seriously, you would sit down. You would set aside time to go and do that well. And I I defy people to show me how it's otherwise. Okay, well, you get stuff all day long from your boss. Okay, well, it sounds to me like you're you're either your boss is not taking it seriously or you're you have a different job than your boss thinks you have. If you can be expected to sit there and take every bit of that information extremely seriously, can you take 67 new pieces of information extremely seriously <laughs> and still be great at something? Well, you're, you're lying to yourself. Right. That's asinine. You, people, but, you know, but people want to play both sides of the street on that. On the one hand, they want to go, oh, I'm desperately important and have 27 levels of priority, so I've got to be getting all these bloops on my wrist. You've got to be kidding me. Are you, are you actually expecting me to take that seriously? You get a bloop from Dark Sky that it's about to rain. You get a bloop from uh, somebody poked you on, uh, on, on, on Facebook. You get a, then you get a bloop that there's an email to go check out on your watch that you can't really respond to? Like, what? I mean, how I, I'm all I'm trying to say is that, you know, it's it's you know, whatever you want to do is okay. And having a watch, that's fine. Like whatever. But I do think it is, I think a great source of self-delusion is believing that getting more and more advanced technology for telling us we have too much to do is going to make our life any better. Like go and do it, but take it seriously. Set aside two to three times a day to seriously do email. Set expectations with people about what they can expect from you. And then install a minimally viable infrastructure for making sure that you drop as few balls as possible, but then also make a deal with yourself that it's going to have to be okay sometimes if I'm not 100%. Because that's, that's what you're facing right? It's almost like there was a time when you were expected, if somebody knocked on your door, you were supposed to answer your door and talk to that person, even if it was a salesman. 
Like, are, uh, do you do that today? Are you, are you okay talking to anybody who wants your time on the street or at your home? My God, no, you're not a crazy person. Then why would you do that with email? You've already accepted that with spam. You've already accepted that with sales. You've already accepted that with Kindle authors. How long will it be before you have to accept that with people you kind of know who have outsized expectations about your time and attention? That's so, that's really good. No, that's really good. And you bring up such a a fun way to think of it because if, you know, there was, uh, there was somebody in, uh, in one of the chat rooms the other day while we were doing a show and they, they had regular audio problems when they're trying to listen live. And I felt really bad that they were saying during the show that they were having an audio issue. And we, you know, like we test, I sort of put, you know, stepped on the mute pedal and tested it and it was okay. And I heard it fine. And I restarted the thing and they were complaining in the chat room saying, it'd be nice if one of the hosts even was in the chat room during the show. And, you know, the audio problems are always here, you know, complaining about this. And I said, um, you know, because I, I get, I was using the like regular computer to put it in the chat room. It didn't have my name. It just said like five by or something. And I said, well, actually one of the hosts is in the show is in the chat room. I'm the host. I'm Dan. I'm sorry you're having trouble. I'm trying to fix it for you. And then they became very nice in the chat room. And it's it's the same thing that we've talked about before in that the 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 way that you think about spending your time and how you think about spending your time and the attitudes that surround the way that you communicate are so different. In I've told and I've told this story a million times before. I think I've told it on this show. It was my first job working at Burger King. I was 13 years old. My mom had to sign a thing that said that it was legal for me to work because you weren't in Florida allowed to work until you were 14. So on my 13th birthday, uh, which was a Sunday, I started work at Burger King. And I remember a few weeks after that, uh, I was there and I they, I think I was mopping the floors. At the time, and uh, this guy came in, big guy, and he walked in, and he, I heard this yelling, and I look up, and he's standing up at the front of the restaurant, and I'm sure I've told you this story, and he's got a, his you know Burger King bag full of food, and he's holding it sort of up over his head, and he's shouting at the manager and the people who work there, and he's saying, you know, I drove 30 minutes out because this is like the only Burger King in town at the time. I drove 30 minutes here with it to get this. And I drove all the way back home only to find out that you put mustard on all of these things or whatever. And he threw the bag down on the ground and it exploded and the food went everywhere. Everything went everywhere. And the managers immediately like, I'm, I'm so sorry. You know, can I can we, you know, we'll refund your money. We'll give you a free meal. What you know, and how can we help? And the guy just says, you can't help now. And he, you know, he storms out. (laughs) But it's like that left such a distinct, strong impression on me that the idea that like how much it actually takes to be that guy in person and how easy it is to be that guy online. You know, how Mm -hmm. easy it is to feel that obligation that John Syracuse never feels to reply to somebody who has sent you the email to to feel obligated we i know you and i both regarding this show and many other shows will receive emails that have been so thoughtfully written talking about personal things people who have been helped or people who have questions about the show or people who are and they write long detailed emails and i'm i wish i could be more like john syracuse in the regard of not feeling obligated to reply but like I do like I want to reply I'm like this person took a long time to write this but email. It feels, it feels so dismissive 
to, I mean, for a long time, I think it was pretty standard practice to feel in the same way that you might get a letter from somebody. If you got a two page letter from somebody, it would seem a little brusque to respond with a one sentence postcard. And when somebody writes you a really, really nice long email, I feel this weight or I get a letter from somebody. I get like a six page letter from somebody and I'm like, aha, I, I, yeah. Like, I just, I don't have as much to say about this, and but I feel like a jerk, so I may not even respond. I'm like, ah, like, I cannot get in the habit of responding to a six-page letter with a six-page letter. Right. I don't send letters to anybody, like, <laughs> strangers. Right. Because that's, I'm just a bad person. But, you know, I... And like, I, I'm not saying I don't want to hear that, but then it, it's like you're saying, it's like, now you reply, then they reply again, then you reply back, and, and, and how many of those different channels can you have open at one time, you know? I, when I walk in the door at the end of the day, uh, my wife has some things to tell me. My uh, my my seven year old has some things to tell me, and my three year old has some things to tell me. And guess what? My phone is usually also buzzing uh, to tell me something. And like at some point, one of those things is going to get turned off, and it's well, and first of, but, the phone. Then, you know, none of those none of those people are talking to each other. Right, right. That's here's the other thing, and, and again, I can I please understand. I'm not trying to say don't talk to people or don't contact people. I'm not trying to say that at all. <laughs> right, no. But I'm saying be aware of how to calibrate your expectations. I got an email from a really good friend of mine, or a, a very long text message from a very good friend of mine this morning at seven thirty four. I was I was in bed with my daughter reading before school, and I got I got a frantic message from a very good friend with a very big problem, which is he was having trouble syncing his one password file, and he was he was kind of freaking out. He would have no way of knowing. That like first of all, there's there's not that much that I can do about that. Uh, I'll help how I can, but what do I say? No, I sound like a jerk. I'm always that guy going, "Well, I'm hanging out with my kid." Well, here's the thing: I'm either doing this dumb job that I do, uh, I'm hanging out with my kid, or I'm spending the five minutes per evening that I have with my wife to talk about scheduling changes we need to cover. That's about my day. Like I'm not that. Again, let me just clarify: there's a difference between being busy and being time constrained. I am very time constrained in a lot of ways. I have gateways throughout the day that I that I've got to meet, and it's not it's not overwhelming, and it's not any different than any ad- adult has probably. But be aware of that with people, not just me, but with everybody. Be aware with your expectations that maybe the reason that person may not be responding to your text. In my case, my phone is in do not disturb mode right now. Why? Because I'm actively trying to schedule something with somebody today, and I know that. All the time that I'm on the, the call with you, my phone is going to be blooping for something I can't do anything about. Now, it actually takes a fair amount of courage for me to do that because now I'm thinking like, what if, some, what if my kid falls off the jungle gym? Like, will I know? I don't know. But I mean, I, you have to make those decisions sometimes. Before we, you tell me about something like you, uh, that you like, can I tell you one more thing here? Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at a, a post from a cycle 43 folders uh, from 2008 about uh, the author, the novelist, uh, Neil Stevenson. And Neil Stevenson, I uh, put this in show notes, he uh, has over the years had a variety of different pages on his site that probably most people never read, where he explains why he won't respond, why he can't respond to your email. And I remember at the time, this was probably kind of a breakthrough for me because it was around the time that I was certainly really accepting beginning to accept some of the impossibilities of email. So he's had a couple different pages over time. Some of these are pulled off of old archive.org things, but just briefly, I'm quoting here, uh, writing novels is hard and requires vast unbroken slabs of time. Four quiet hours is a resource that I can put to good use. Two slabs of time, each two hours long, might add up to the same four hours, but are not nearly as productive as an unbroken four and so forth. Uh, Going down further, a different one here. 
This is how he closes the page. I am not proud of the fact that some of my email goes unanswered. As a result, it's never my intention to be rude or to give well-meaning readers the cold shoulder. If I were a commercial bestseller, which I think he kind of is now, I would have enough money to hire a staff to look after my correspondence. As it is, my books are bought by enough people to provide me with a middle-class lifestyle. I'm trying to be a good novelist, jumping forward. I'm trying to be a good novelist and hoping that people will forgive me for being a bad correspondent. So what it comes down to is like, hi, here's, here, here's, the, sum, here's the summation of this. You like me because I write novels. I can either write novels and not answer your emails, or I can answer your emails and not write any more novels. <laughs> so I can take all the time, I can take all that time that used to go into like your, your snow crashes and whatnot, and I could break that into a hundred thousand tiny messages that one person at a time sees, or I can do this thing that I consider my life's work. And um, I'm, in this case, I hear him saying, I have to be enough of a grown up to say, I can't do both of those well. I can't do both of those at all. I can try to do both poorly, but I won't. And I think that's, that's tough. So please recalibrate your expectations. Every time you, you wish that I'd answer your email, please remember all of those sentences are going into this other thing that I'm trying to make that lots of people can see. And, you know, that's, that's a tough line to hold. And it's, I, you can hear me right now feeling like I'm being a total jerk even no, saying that. No, I can that. tell. I'm not, I'm no, I'm no Neil Stevenson, but I think that that takes a lot of guts. If you decide to somebody, be somebody who's going to go all like Kickstarter and responding to everybody that, that toots at you and emails you, that's okay. But like that to me is a young man's game. That is something that is going to be difficult to do at scale over time. And if you don't think it's hard today, be ready because it's probably going to get harder all the time. And if you're not being, if you're not feeling the pain of this problem, consider that you might be causing some of the problem. Oh, okay. Tell me about something you like. <laughs> uh, and I will, uh, after this, I would like to tell you how Robert Heinlein handled this problem. Heinlein. 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 Let me tell you about Harry's. Harry's.com started by two guys passionate about creating a better shaving experience for all men and, and women. Harry's delivers a superior shave. They bought a blade factory in Germany that had been making some of the best uh, blades and highest quality blades for nearly a century. And they did this because they were trying to solve a problem. The problem is, when did shaving get so expensive? It's so expensive, Dan. It really is. It really is. The, 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 and they're, they're crappy, crappy razors, crappy blades, and you pay an arm and a leg for them. The, the starter kit for Harry's, which comes with a really nice razor, three blades, which last a lot longer than any other blade I've ever used, and your choice of their shave cream or the foaming gel is 15 bucks. But if you use our code, you'll get five bucks off. You're going to pay 10 bucks. You're going to get this nice, like, weighted razor. It's, like, really cool, really cool razor. The best blades. This this is the thing. You're going to use the code COMICS. You go to harrys.com, H-A-R-R-Y-S, harrys.com. The code is COMICS. Get one of these things. They're really, really great. I have one, Merlin. I know you have one. And uh, you might want to get two because your your significant other, male or female, will probably want to steal it from you. <laughs> so uh, go check this out. Harry's, H-A-R-R-Y-S, harrys.com. Uh, comics is the code to use. And uh, do you like the foaming uh, shave gel or do you like the shaving cream? I've tried both and I like both. I think, I think I like the cream better. I usually just use really cheap shaving cream. You know, I have a whole method I do for shaving. Yeah, it's special. But I mean, what's neat is when you get that starter pack, you can see whether you'd like it or not. You get them, you, you, you can just try it out and just see how it goes. But the, I can really speak for the blades. You know, it's, um, it is, it is crazy what it can cost to try and stay shaved. It's crazy. I like that. They're going to have to run with that. <laughs> You're just an idea, man. Harrys.com, code comics, save five bucks. 
and uh, go get go get yourself a nice uh, a nice shave for a change. This is uh, something on letters of note. Well, can, can, I, can I make one meta comment at this point? Yeah, go ahead and call. Her. This is a meta comment. Thank you, uh, first time mattress sir. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just really I just wrote down um, four bullets here. Uh, I think it's very interesting that um, four places that advertise a lot on podcasts, in, in, including ours, um, mattresses. You got you got Casper mattresses. Right. You got web services. You think about Squarespace, razors. You got Harry's eyeglasses. You got Warby Parker. What's interesting about all four of those? All four of those. No offense to these industries, but all four of those are industries that thrive on obfuscation and opacity. So I don't know if you ever tried to buy a mattress in a store. This is not an ad. This is a meta. This is just a meta note on how much I love our sponsors. Um, I love that we have sponsors that pr- that make something really good at a reasonable price that's easy to understand. That's something that I think is, uh, that makes me proud that we've got sponsors like that. I think of Casper and the mattresses. Have you ever gone to a store and tried to buy a mattress? It's completely ridiculous because they deliberately, this is, everybody knows this now, but they deliberately, all the different brands, all the great brands will go out and deliberately have different names for the identical mattress at different places. So it is impossible to comparison shop. They do that by design. Web services. There are, mm, let's just say certain web services that rely very heavily on you being drunk during the Super Bowl and trying to buy uh, your name dot (laughs) dude and accidentally buying platinum overnight web. (laughs) <laughs> with protection services, gold, platinum, Windows 95. They want you to accidentally buy these crazy web services. Oh, I accidentally hit that button. <laughs> I had to shoot an elephant. <laughs> Razors. You got to go and spend, what, four, six, eight dollars a blade for these crazy things. And just try and go in, and I don't want to mention the G word, but go and try to figure out which replacement blades you need for which razor you've got. Right. And then you got to go to the razor jail and have them open up eyeglasses. You go in to get your eyes checked and all they want, all they're worried about is the frames. They got all these crazy frames, all these different versions. It's very complicated to do. Opacity. I'm just saying, right? Opacity and obfuscation. And what I love about our sponsors, and then I'll shut up, is that uh, they all thrive on providing something that's very easy to understand at a reasonable price. And that's all I'm going to say about that. That's it. Does that make you feel good in your heart? Okay, then. Okay, then. Heinlein. Didn't I just tell you not to do that? <laughs> so <laughs> recidivism. There is a uh, there is a re- repeat offender. <laughs> letters of letters of Really cool site. Sean Usher. Sean Usher. Sean Usher has uh, for uh, here's an article about how Robert Heinlein handled this. Uh, and <laughs> is, this his, is this his form? Yes. Have you seen the form? <laughs> yes, I love this. Before the up until 1984, at which point the advent of computerization negated the need for such a mention. He had a form letter that he would send back because back then, of course, if you wanted to contact someone, you didn't have email. It was really more of a, a form than a letter. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and uh, so they have a transcription of this, but it's kind of weird. So, like, you would write to him, and it would say, "Dear," and then it would have "Sir," "Madam," "Ms." Ms. "Miss," and he would circle it. An ever-increasing flood of, of mail forced me to choose between writing letters and writing fiction, but I read each letter sent to me and check the answer. So he would then go and here, I won't read all of them because there's too many, but here are some of the responses that he could check. He's basically covering all of the different angles that he gets asked 80% of the time. <laughs> right. Thanks for your kind words. You have made my day brighter. That's the first one. You say that you've enjoyed my stories for years. Why did you wait until you disliked one story before writing me? <laughs> So that's another. Then, then he has other ones that simply point to other articles or articles that he or other people have written. 
Uh, but it's it's uh, here's here's one I like. Story ideas come from everywhere and anything, and writers are self taught. The book Writer's Market tells how to prepare manuscripts and listen. I mean, he's got everything. You know, I mean, even things that says I forwarded it to uh, to my editor or you know whoever. It's it's just really great. I love that some of them. They get there are some kind of angry ones. Please do not write to me again. <laughs> That's one of the options. He could just check. Don't plan to call at our home. We work very long hours every day of the year. And then he would he would sign it and send it back to them. How weird is this? I mean, I like it, but it seems so weird because like there was I think I've mentioned this, too. There was a time when I was like, dang it, I am going to reply to every single email that I that I get. So I used uh, Smiles Text Expander and I had a little thing where I could type in the it would have like pop up the form. And and it would tie. I could type yeah, like their I, first I have, name. I have friends that swear by this. And I tried doing that, and like uh, you feel like such a cheese. Ball. I know. I know. Hello, really- hello, friend. Thank <laughs> you for your interest in internet podcasts. I'm excited to hear about your interest in internet podcasts. There are many ways to make internet podcasts. For example, using computer, internet, iTunes. It is very interesting that you also enjoy cats. And being at home. I also enjoy cats and being at home. Thank you for your continued listening. I continue continue to see you as a very close friend. Kindest regards, Dan Benjamin. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it seems that seems worse than just ignoring. I totally agree because I know, I know. Uh, uh, It's it's uh, it is kind of a it's a sort of an fu to send a um, and I don't mean follow up to uh, to Heinlein on somebody. Yeah. But you know, it's you know. Here's here's another part of this, and I don't I don't want to pivot too hard into this. But there was a time where it was understood that um, if you wrote a letter to the Beatles, maybe it wasn't understood. But we all know now that if you wrote a letter to the Beatles, the Beatles didn't write back to you. You could join their fan club and get a flexi disc every Christmas, right? You could be part of this system. You could join the Kiss Army and get a patch for five dollars or whatever it was. But I mean, the thing is that wasn't actually. Paul McCartney, like, signing the photograph. Paul McCartney never saw your letter. Right. You know, Robert Plant never saw your letter, unless there were panties in it, probably. But, like, whatever the situation was, it was understood for a long time that, like, Rock Hudson was not going to come to your bar mitzvah. That was, and maybe that was for the best. I don't know. But that, that's, because he's a busy man. <laughs> he's a busy man, and I, and I think he might be a Gentile. Rock Hudson right. wits. Right. He may not... over from Poland. <laughs> um... I'm not sure where I'm going with this. The um the but but you know but uh, but now today I think again because of the advent of stuff like social media because of the idea of I think there is especially with podcasts there's a lot of intimacy to that. There's the feeling that like you know Chris Hardwick is you know actively trying to get you to make a funny toot about his show, which becomes a great way to promote his show. But you know uh, you know I I, I kind of don't imagine I. Chris is a pretty busy guy. I kind of doubt that he's going to sit there and like individually laugh at every single one of the hundreds of thousands of tweets that people right. make yeah. about the show. And I guess people kind of know that. It's just that if you have the audacity to admit that you can't treat every relationship uh, real or prospective with the same seriousness that you treat your most important relationships, you sound like a jerk. And I, I'm only exaggerating a little bit when I talk about how little time I actually have to talk with my wife. I mean, I think everybody's got this. It really becomes like all the functional stuff has to you know, get out of the way first. And then maybe there's enough time to watch Mad Men before bed. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much it. Yep. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I, it's something I've really aspired in the past to try and get better at uh, as far as like finding a sane way to 
make connections with people, but <sighs> but you know very- what? You know, it's never been it's never been easier to communicate with people than it is now. Well, and like given a, given a slightly historically. Different- Giving a, given a slightly different universe, I would love to get coffee with anybody who wants to get coffee. I would love to have dinner with anybody who wants to have dinner. Um, I would, I, in another universe, that's a really neat idea. I hardly have time to have dinner by myself a lot of nights. <laughs> I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there at 4.30 going like, oh, what are we going to do for dinner? And now I have to go do dinner. So like, that's, you know, it's just alongside whatever you think of me or anybody else, like imagine like just how mundane getting the basic crap done every day is because it is ridiculously mundane. There has to be a bath. There has to be a dinner. There has to be bedtime. There has to be brushing teeth. And this is just for the, just having one stupid kid. Like it's, it's actually surprisingly <laughs> time consuming to take care of a seven year old. It yeah. would blow your mind. Yeah. And so it's not that I'm like, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> no, I, f- I feel like I'm being defensive because I, I, I want to still have people like me and think I'm a good person, even though I can't be a good person at scale on a personal basis. And I'm not even like popular. I'm not even talking about being like a like a like a like your buddy Tim Ferriss or a, a Leo Laporte or an actual like kind of like semi famous person. I can't even imagine what that would be like. I remember Tim, I was Tim Ferriss has a top TV show on my Apple TV right now. I know, isn't that weird? It is weird. And so, what does he do? People throw eggs at him. He plays drums. What does he do? Oh, so what he does is he basically wanted to test his own ability to uh, to to. To learn new skills, essentially, hmm. but he would give himself what I would, I think he would probably agree, borderline or beyond borderline and just full on, like unreasonable expectations. And That's he would then part of the fun, right? Yeah. So, like, he, he didn't just want to learn to play drums. He wanted to learn to play drums, but he needed to learn it in a week. And at the end of the week, he would actually be on stage playing drums for a major band on, it's, you know, it's hard to get good at drums in four hours. <laughs> you know, it, it is, but this is the kind of thing that he would do. And it's really cool. Like if you, if yeah. you get a chance to watch some of these things, like it's, it's crazy. I'll do that. It is really crazy. Mm. That's good. Um, so, uh, did we actually say the red badge of neglect? I don't think we said that, did we? Cause that's good. I don't know if we, are you looking at titles already? Looking at the show bot. No, I look at the show bot periodically. I check in. Let me I do my, in. let me do our, my second sponsor for you. I want to about some of that. Well, it's Wealthfront. The automatic We're sponsored this week by Sealy Posturepedic. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Wealthfront is an automated investment service that makes it easy to invest your money the right way. I, you know, in doing this spot, I do this spot on my my morning show. I, it's funny because I was thinking back the other day. Like investment seemed, especially when I was in my twenties and even into my thirties, like everyone always, like I would have the, my bosses who are usually, you know, 20 years older than me. And they'd be like, well, make sure you take advantage of our 401k. I'd be like, yeah, yeah. Or they'd be like, oh, are you doing any investment? You really need to invest, invest now, even if it's a thousand bucks, invest now. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Like the sooner you start doing this, the better it is. And the thing that always put me off or one of the things that always put me off was it like, I didn't really want to go and make an appointment with some dude and sit in an office and be like, okay, let's talk about finances for two hours. And I just, you know, we didn't have back then the concept of like a really smart website where you could fill out. And this is what Wealthfront is. You just fill out this basic profile 
and it, and you said this I want to aggress- I want to invest aggressively I want to invest conservatively here's the things that I like here's what I want to you fill out this little proposal this little, I'm sorry this little form and they will come back and say okay here's how we want to invest here's how we're going to invest for you and they really I mean their software is awesome it was put together by like hardcore PhDs from like Harvard and Princeton and like financial analysts who know what they're doing and they handle all of the stuff that that makes this not fun you know they do tax efficient investment they maximize your after-tax returns they let you see everything in one place all the trades are commission free and they do it for only 0.25 percent per year that's like a quarter of the cost of a traditional investment advisor and they just make it so easy in five minutes you're like up and running so go check this out the url is wealthfront dot com slash five by five and that's one word wealthfront.com slash five by five go there get started and if you use that url the first ten thousand dollars are managed for free so that's a really really good deal so go check it out wealthfront uh and uh and i i have to read a disclaimer i'm just going to read it instead of doing the little thing because that's all right. It's a legal thing. Wealthfront mm-hmm. Inc. is an SEC registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are offered through Wealthfront Brokerage Corporation. Member FNRA and SIPC. This is not a solicitation to buy or sell securities. Investing in securities involves risks, Merlin. And uh, there is a possibility of losing money. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Please visit Wealthfront.com to read the full disclosure. Whew, thanks very much Ooh. to Wealthfront for making this show possible, Merlin Man. Mm. Mm-hmm. I really, this is, this is probably a joke that has already been made many years ago, probably kids in the hall. But every time you say, for some reason, every time you talk about your morning show, I imagine you're talking about a program where you talk about people you love who died. <laughs> the mor- <laughs> it's a different kind of morning. Wouldn't that be funny if that was your morning zoo? <laughs> that you had a would, morning zoo? That would Whereas be. It was, a, it was a bunch of misogynistic uh, crackpots uh, prank calling people. It, you know, about, yeah. about, about, about a death in the family. That would be yeah. funny. People would love that. Real crowd pleaser, that kind of show would be. <laughs> uh, you know, the uh, the funny thing, uh, you mentioned Kids in the Hall. I've been, I don't know why, but I've been back in Kids in the Hall. I I, I put up Oh, a, it's because it's delightful and sweet and super weird and funny. It's so oh, what funny. A great, what a great show. I, I, it's, I, it's also kind of gentle. There's something not weak, but gentle about they're it. They're Canadian. You know? They're Canadian, but even Bruce, Bruce McCulloch doing like the Cabbage Head guy. There's still something kind of gentle and vulnerable about almost every character. <laughs> yeah. Girl drink drunk. Well, oh my God, I love that show. I used to watch when it was on Comedy Central. I, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, it, it's really, really good. Uh, I, I was going to say that I had the, uh, I had the the uh, destroy the planet one, uh, a hard day. I think it's called. Hmm. Which is the one where the, control, control, despo- destroy the planet, destroy the planet. You remember that I one? Know that. I don't know that. Oh, one. I'll put that into show notes. That's one of my favorite skits. <laughs> Hard day, oh, kids in the hall. Remember the one with the, where he borrows the videotape and he keeps forgetting to bring it back. <laughs> They're Tell good. It's funny how how <laughs> it. There's such a such a different time period. Like it, it really feels like it's from a different era to me. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's weird. I, I think Lauren Michaels produced it. Did he really? It's, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, but you know what else is great? Do you ever go back and watch uh, Upright Citizens Brigade? No, I don't think I've ever seen that. Oh my goodness. It's an awfully funny show. Got a note. Somebody likes us talking about The Simpsons. I don't think we should do that again, but because uh, that was really weird that we talked about The Simpsons for a long time. Yeah, we talked but, for like two hours. 
Yeah, but we we've uh, you know we've been going back and uh, and, uh, and and watching some old ones again. Good Bob's, very good Bob's Burgers this week. Good Simpsons this week. It's a warm, dry, cool, humid day in Springfield. Did you see the Kurt Cobain um, montage of heck thing yet? Yeah, I watched half it. It's sad. It's depressing. I didn't like it. Well, what didn't you like about it? Um, uh, I I mean, you know, I, I, honestly, why don't you want to say, just say it. People aren't going to hate you for this. Well, because it's going to sound like I'm saying I don't like Kurt Cobain or something. And it's, that's not the case. Okay. I thought the way that it was produced was incredibly misleading and missed the entire point of what a documentary like that would be about. Like, you know, there's this new, there's this thing, probably ever since I want to say the kid stays in the picture, which I feel like almost kind of pioneered this technique of kid stays in the picture was the first of Robert Evans, uh, documentary was the first one I remember of taking, doing that thing of taking a photograph, splitting it into different panes for a parallax and like taking the Ken Burns effect to the next level Mm -hmm. where you could take an old photo and make it look like it's not only moving, but has a parallax effect. You know what I'm saying? No, yeah. It's hard to describe any better than you just did it, but that it's, you know, when you see it, we all remember when the civil war first came out. Uh, not the original Civil War, but the documentary series on PBS. I'm not that old. I'm not Dr. Drang. <laughs> but um, but we, we remember no, that... No one is. And this actually became a funny thing. Like in, um, remember in iPhoto, there was a screensaver called Ken Burns, where it would actually, I guess they licensed this, that you would be allowed to just show the panning on a picture. Picture so great. But then they did that in The Kid Stays in the Picture to much great effect. Show pictures of him in the 50s, sitting by the pool with some starlet, and that looked really real. But you understood that they were animating an old photograph they weren't demonstrably changing what was happening in it. And like, it's like, it's not an, I mean, they have unlimited access to all this Kurt Cobain stuff. These audio montages, I guess that he would do, which I guess was him talking into a mic. Yeah. His notebooks, um, his drawings inside of these, these journals, tons and tons of these. And like just showing what's in his notebooks was pretty interesting. But it was done to effect in the movie. So they would do it with really fast editing to show like, oh, all these fake band names that are really funny. But then they would animate what was inside the journal. Right. So you'd see a picture of the journal and it would start out a blank page and then you'd see things sort of being written. Which, as is, a if, very, which is a very clever effect. Yeah. But that Kurt Cobain didn't do that. So is that meant to be some psychedelic thing? Am I supposed to imagine that that's how he saw it? Is that how the director sees it? When he's doing these audio montages, like how much, what is that from? What is he talking about? When Nothing when, was told about it. it. You saw nothing from the notebooks as to when they were written. Was it while he was sitting and, in I class mean, in high like, school? To, what, to, when refer was to, Chris, it? to refer to Chris Novoselic as Kurt's friend? Really? Right, why friend? did they do that? It was so weird. I wonder if Nirvana had a drummer. <laughs> I know, right. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it seems like to make rock music, they would have needed a drummer, maybe even a drummer that was pretty good. Yeah. I saw the one drummer when they were playing, in the, when he suddenly transformed from like the very, very unhappy 13 year old to somebody playing in a rock band. There was that transformation leap. But anyway, uh, I, I watched half of it and I was like, this is making me uncomfortable. It felt weird and it felt, you know, it just it felt strange. The biopic is such a thing now. The biography documentary is such a genre. It's like pot documentaries and food documentaries. It's like its own genre now. And sometimes it's done extremely well. But I How think would you, you have like to yours be, to be done? Like, who would you want on that? Just not at all. Just don't even use this footage. Please don't include this. <laughs> just don't do it. Just don't Just forget about me. I'm fine. I don't want to be remembered by history. Thank you. Um, so I don't know. 
eh, it's, you know, and there's just this, the way we paw over dead people is really troubling to me. I hate it when everybody, you know, God bless you all and your morning shows, but the whole, like, somebody dies on Twitter. It's like, oh my God, somebody from obscure, obscure 60s TV show I watched once died and now I'm going to be sad for a day. It's like, really? Is it really that bad? Is it really that hashtaggy to you? You know, and like with Kurt Cobain, like he had a huge impact on a lot of people. I think he deserves a straight documentary that is neither salacious nor exaggerated. It's a little bit like the Steve Jobs thing in some ways, the Isaacson thing, where to paraphrase Syracuse, uh, you know, they, this is, this is what I think this was totally, I think his family participated heavily in this documentary. Kurt yes. Cobain's? Yeah. Yes. I believe so. I don't know all the details, but I think his family was not only heavily involved, but like okayed it and gave whoever put it together, the journals and stuff like that. So, you know, this is your one shot. This is, as they say, you know, like Isaacson, he was the guy who had one shot at the official Steve Jobs biography and it didn't turn out perfect. Uh, So anyway, I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. The way we paw over dead people troubles me. Well, you know, it comes comes really all about us and it's, sometimes it's done, sometimes it's done really well or in a really interesting way. Like I recently rewatched the Harry Nilsson um, biography movie, and I it's it's incredibly you know sad and moving. Uh, the one on Scott Walker, I think it's called Twenty Century Man, something like Thirty Century Man, mm-hmm. is really good and just so so weird and so interesting. Movie about John Deck, good. I mean, there's lots of like obs- about obscure people that can be you know very interesting. Did you see uh, HBO's Living with Lincoln? One? Mm-mm. No. This is really interesting. This is something that it doesn't quite qualify as, uh, I mean, it's it's certainly a kind of documentary. Uh, but living I, with Lincoln. Living, I'll put it into the show notes. It's, I, I've seen it on the on the Apple TV. I just, I didn't know what it was. Well, you know, I put it on one day. I was, I was here uh, working and I thought, you know, I'm going to eat lunch. And while I, I put it on at lunchtime, because uh, we've got a little Apple TV thing here. And it's really, really interesting it's about this family who, through a sort of strange set of circumstances, wound up with the largest, not just privately owned, but like the largest collection of photos of Lincoln in the hmm. world. Wow, that's interesting. And how the sort of granddad started collecting and curating this and how the the daughters did the daughter and then the, the grandkids did it and how they eventually were sort of transferring this to a museum. But he sort of retells his his family's story framed in the context of these pictures of Lincoln. This sounds hearing me describe it even to myself. It sounds kind of just kind of boring, but it's really fascinating. And it's fascinating that gen- multiple generations of a family can uh, can can have this this tie to this figure, but also how it it connects them through the generations. It was fascinating, and all of these black and white photos, and they didn't do that effect at all that we were talking about that they did so much in the Kurt Cobain one. You know, like it it was just straight up. It's narrated by the grandson, who's a full grown adult, you know, person with his own family, and it just it. It's such a wonderful and interesting story that tells this really story, this great story that's from notes and pictures and all this great stuff. But 
comparing that to the Kurt Cobain one, I mean, they even did the thing in the Kurt Cobain with the, is it called rotoscoping where it's the thing that they did in a scanner darkly with Keanu Reeves oh, right, movie. Yeah. <clears throat> they do a much, much better job of that technique in this movie, but still like when he's a kid and yeah, it shows yeah. him like walking around and doing things like and, that. Like, and basically it ends up looking like an animation. Yeah. I just thought it was really odd and I liked the effect, but also it was weird because like it would only be there a little bit. It was sometimes the whole thing felt disjointed to me. Yeah. I, I, I you know, I, again, I, I wouldn't want to discourage anybody who's into it from seeing the movie. And I'm, I'm, I don't mean to sound critical. You asked, but you know, I, I feel like when you are taking something that's nominally about real life and you introduce elements that any elements that are sort of fantastic or magically real or whimsical or whatever, I feel like that's an editorial voice. I feel like that's somebody trying to say, uh, and here's, and, and, and this effect in this case will amplify something about this that isn't obvious on its own. So you can't just say the Kurt Cobain has had this kind of shattered childhood of abandonment and, um, you know, just this depressed childhood of all kinds of dead ends and how that turns out. So you get, you know, so you have to like, that's not clear enough. You've got to like illustrate it with these kinds of things. And I end up always feeling like, I don't know, it, it ends up that every story ends up starting to feel like it's either about madness or death where you're, you go like, well, am I supposed to think that this is happening in his head? Am I supposed to think that he has a distorted idea about how the world looks? Should I only understand how this happened by, you know, and sometimes, you know what I'm saying? And and so sometimes when I see those kinds of effects and things, I just wonder like, what is, is there more to this than madness and death? And is there another way to portray this other than just, you know, making something adorable or tragic? Do you, would you have, because perf- a lot of life is neither adorable nor tragic. It's just boring. What about and if instead sad. of a, a documentary, what if instead of a documentary, they had done a, a mo- an actual movie that was like a story, which they do a lot of the time. Marvin, Marvin Cobain. Yes. <laughs> what if they had done that? Would that have been nah, better? You know, those are its own kind of thing. Those are star vehicles, you know, usually. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it, it can be done. The, um, I forget what it's called. Is it Control? The one about um, Ian Curtis and Joy Division was really good. Uh, I thought that, I thought, I thought that was very well done and it felt real. And I mean, it was tragic because he, the guy had a, a lot of problems. But uh, I thought that one was well done with real people, but it didn't have tons of like recognizable actors in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I say, I mean, it's one of those things where it sometimes feels like a star vehicle. I don't know. I mean, it just, it depends also on why you're trying to tell the story. You know, what's your, this has nothing to do with our show. What are we doing? What are we doing? Is this this okay that we're talking about this? Yeah, this is what people want. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, um, there's not that many things that most of us seek out to actually legitimately learn something new or to become more edified about something. I think we watch a lot of things to feel feelings and have nostalgia and things like that. And so it's easy to understand why you would want to see, you know, um, whatever, Johnny Cash, like seeing a guitar in a window or whatever. Or, hey, that's the time you met Elvis Presley or, you know, whatever, because those are the, the boxes that you can tick to go, oh, you know, because history. But, you know... Um, it's it's in order to tell a story you have to leave a lot of stuff out and focus on a few things and then the, you can't kind of can't help but 
reduce somebody's life to this series of interesting entertainment moments. And that always makes me a, a little bit uneasy. In, every, in almost every documentary, there is a, the big story and then the underlying story. The big story almost always is, this person started out fairly obscure and sad, got kind of a little bit famous. They could have gotten better, but they had weaknesses, and then they had a tragic death. Like That's pretty much almost every documentary, it seems like, is yeah. to find some way, and then to find some way to show their legacy and the influence that they had. Maybe that's just the documentaries that I watch. But, you know... Yeah, I don't know. It feels weird. It feels it feels slightly pornographic to me a lot of the time to try and turn somebody's life into entertainment. Um, I don't know. I like a Romana Clay. I like it when you can go out and like make a story based on somebody's life, but with a little bit of you know artistic uh, license. I think that can be interesting too. Yeah, yeah. Did you want to tell me about something else that you like before we get any further into this go nowhere topic? Yeah, sure. I would like to tell you about uh, Squarespace. Simple, Thank you, powerful, Squarespace. and beautiful. Thank you, Squarespace. They're still. You know what? They're still around. Hello. <laughs> I'm the Squarespace elf. They're still making they're still making websites. They're still I'm still here. They let people show up. I love you. Make a website. <laughs> 24/7 support via live chat and email and only 8 bucks a month. And if you sign up for a year, you get a free domain name. They have built-in e-commerce, responsive design. It's like you can go from having no website to having a domain and a really beautiful website that works on every phone, that works on every device, that looks good in every browser, even the new Microsoft one. And you get all of these really great features. It's built in. It's eight bucks a month. Cover pages, really cool. You know, you've seen those like coming soon pages. That's one way to use a cover page, but you can actually have multiple cover pages and use them like landing pages to test performance of different things because you get all this built in analytics stuff. It's all right there. Everything you need to build a beautiful website is right there. You don't need to give them a credit card. You, 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 know, you miss out on the domain thing unless you sign up for a year. But that's all right. Sign up for a year. And then eight bucks a month. That's 10% off if you use our code. And the code is it's your show, one word. And you can go to squarespace.com slash back to work spelled out. It's your show. Go check them out. Thank you very much to Squarespace for supporting 5 by 5 and back to work. Build it beautiful. Mm, easy to understand. No exaggeration. No rotoscoping. No I scopes. wouldn't mind if if they were doing like a, a story of my life. If they did the ro- the rotoscoping on it. If they did a story of my life, I would like it to be an extremely short movie that looks like one of the early Pixar experiments. Uh, I would like it to, <laughs> you hear I, about I would, Incredibles too. Yes, I would like it to look like. Not even like the one with the with the tin toy. I want even earlier than that. I, oh. I want it to be. I know. I don't. I don't want the guy playing chess with himself. I want to want you to go all the way back. I, I, I don't want anything to look better than like the unicycle video. I want. I want it to be like experiments with leaves and hair. That's going to be my life story. <laughs> there you go. There's your title: experiments with leaves and hair. And it's just all basic stuff. Maybe uh, kind of a little bit Tron. Kind of a little bit like the uh, knights fighting in that one movie. Get on it, Pixar. <laughs> gotta, gotta make something. Yeah. Oh, we watched uh, that Tron Legacy the other day. You've never seen that with the dude? No. You've never oh. seen that movie? Why would I have seen that movie? Because it's a good movie for with the effects. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, yeah, it was, it was, you know what? It was a, a good, bad movie. It was a good, silly movie. It's got Olivia Wilde in it. Nothing wrong with that. I met her. Huh. Did, did she know? Uh, I mean, she was peripherally aware. 
Did you just like touch her on a bus or something? There was no touching. No bus? Uh, I met her at South by Southwest here two years ago. Huh. What, were you giving her free Red Bull or something? No, we were in the Capital Factory and she was doing some kind of interview there. What, what, did they make capitals inside the titular factory? I don't factory? know the details. Hmm. Is she tall? No. Hmm. Did she seem nice? <laughs> sure yeah, she seemed fine. <laughs> okay. We didn't talk She's, much. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't it seem? Doesn't it seem like your disc would be coded biometrically to to you as a as a programmer or a user? Doesn't no, doesn't one, no seem, one else would be able to use? I don't it understand anymore. how you could just screw on somebody else's disc. That's kind of like pop it open your head and grabbing somebody else's brain. It doesn't seem sound. Well, here's some more questions with that: is if everything that you learn and think and do is recorded onto the disc. What happens if the disc is separated from you? Like if you left it at home or something? They tell you at the beginning. They tell you at the beginning. You lose your disc, it's over. So that's why you should use it as a weapon? What? <sighs> but I mean, like also, if it's... I mean, what do, you, what do you think about that CGI on the dude? Freakish. Yeah. It's, it's, it's in the valley for sure. I don't know why they thought that was necessary. I mean, I, so we have watched that movie dozens and dozens and dozens of oh, times. Oh, because I bet Cash likes it. Oh, loves it. Yeah. And... We have also recent, more recently seen the original Tron, um, which is mostly talking in the real world, and then a, a whole bunch of what are were unbelievable and now really terrible special effects. I don't know, man. For 1982, those light cycles look pretty good. For That's what I'm saying. Back then, it was mind blowing. But, but they're clean. I mean, they look. They're they're they did they Pixar it where they did as best they could with the technology that was available. Was that Lucas? Was that Lucas? Um, the pre Pixar group that did that? I think so. Oh, good question. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it was that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying it. it we, so we've seen we've seen that more and more. And what the old movie has that the new movie doesn't have is heart to it, heart and a sense of humor, and uh, and that still comes across in the old the old Tron. Uh, but Clue is in the old Tron. I don't know if you remember this, but he starts out. He's got bit with him, and he's driving the tank. And he's very, very geeky and nerdy. And he has like a little scream that he does when he's the tank is crashing. Do you remember any of this clue in the original one? Mm-mm. I am clue. Mm-mm. Well, he's, he's in it. Hmm. So I'm guessing that that's why they brought him back for the second movie uh, in, 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 and why they had to make him look young. But that was a weird, a very weird effect. The bottom half of his face looked semi-human. Uh-huh. Um, the top half of his face looked like he'd had some some pretty serious space Botox. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, the other way to handle that then would be to have everybody in the movie, you know what I mean, to sort of sample down. Mm. Where, oh, uh, right. For lack of a better word, where you can make everybody look a little bit Uncanny Valley. But you wouldn't do that to Olivia Wilde. No way. That's crazy. No way. That's like putting mustard on the Mona Lisa, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I, do, I do know what you mean. What, what do I mean, Dan? <laughs> I think really struggling here. Well, there's a Neutron movie, Neutron movie coming out. Neutron, Neutron, Neutron. Is that is that is that, uh, is that uh, uh, Gavin Belson's uh, new uh, video streaming service? <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, and I don't think the dude is going to be in it. Neutron. Yeah. What does that mean, Dan? Neutron. A new Tron movie coming out. Oh Jesus! Hey, I'm so sorry. I literally thought you were saying Neutron. <laughs> Oh my God. I need more coffee. Yeah. Mm. Dandy blend. 
uh, <laughs> ponderous mathematical applications group. Uh, who did it? Uh, Lasseter, it says here on I'm looking at Wikipedia, which is never wrong. Uh, Lasseter uh, described how the film helped him see the potential of computer-generated imagery. Mm-hmm. Something, something at Catmull. Okay. Got that covered. Yeah, you know, it was, it was fun. It was fun. I, um, I'm really jonesing for more like cool superhero movies and cool like Harry Potter type movies. So, you know, I'm ready to branch out a little bit. I want to see that Ex Machina movie. Oh, that looks trippy. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Are you getting into uh, anime in general now? Huh? Uh, mm, uh, we watched Speed Racer. <laughs> we watched the Speed Racer movie and then I showed her a Speed Racer cartoon. What, what like the OG. Showed her like the original Speed yeah, Racer. Yeah, what does she think of that? It's adorable. Have you, I did I, did we already talk about hiding it? in the trunk. Look did at we, that. Little, little Chim Chim. Yeah, always in there. And they never I think, think Chim, Chim was look. abused. Chim Chim was abused on set. There was kind of a controversy. Well, he had to wear the hat. That's abuse in and of itself. It's true. It's true. What's the other guy's name? Chim Chim. Uh, Chim Chim and uh, Chim and Ar- what's, Spritle. Spritle. Sp- Spritle. 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 He's funny. That child actor is good. And you know what? I'm going to say it. it. That was a, that was a fun movie. People are hard on that movie, but that was a fun movie. I've never never seen it. Is it worth never seeing? Seen, you remember Spritle from the uh, from the uh, cartoon, but you haven't seen the uh, the Wachowski movie? No. Ponderous. Just check it out. It's pretty good. Good, worth seeing. Eye candy. Eye candy. Because you know, I saw that Jupiter ascending, and I was like fist pumping. Like, why do people not love this movie? This is a very fun movie, and people are like, well, you know, people have strong feelings about the Wachowski movies. So I, uh, I like the Speed Racer, and I'm, I'm going to give the second Matrix movie a try. Oh, I'm starting to think I like bad things. Yeah, the second Matrix movie is not the preferred nomenclature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. What else we got to talk about? Uh, we got a uh, we got a uh, we got a jingle. Somebody sent us. Oh yeah, we do. <clears throat> I, well, I I don't have that you know ready queued up. Oh no. Uh, somebody was nice enough. You know what? I don't even have the name right here. So I was nice enough to do a, a jingle of the Dan's Concern song and send it to us. It's pretty funny. And now I'm being useless by not finding what that person's name is. I'll let you. I'll let you look that up while I talk about my concern. Oh, is it time for Dan's Concern? We could do it. I mean, I don't. It's Dan's concern. It's Dan's concern. It's something that's concerning Dan. <laughs> Dan is always looking at things and doing what he can. It's concern. Since I mentioned the color guard, there has been zero color guard activity in the neighborhood. <laughs> it's came to a complete halt. Oh my goodness. Then now there's a lot very I wish I, I wish I could just have a have a light lunch in your brain someday. I wish I could just go in and just understand a little bit how the process works. A very large boat. Uh power boat is now it's been a, parked. Ship. It's on it's on a trailer. Yeah. It's not it's not a tall ship. No, T ships. Okay. No. It is parked it's in by the way, MCT ships. Twenty twenty four seven now in front of their house, and which means in front of my house. <laughs> You really hate people putting things. I on just the- don't. We're not supposed to do that in the neighborhood. How do you? Was that part of the the, the deed agreement? Apparently, the homeowners the country. Well, the homeowners association is an optional thing. You don't have to be part of it. HOA, we call it. And the road that I'm on, the street that I'm on, is only the main street that leads through the big neighborhood, not the side streets, but the main street. Are these rules in effect where you can't park in front and that kind of thing? Oh, it's like an arterial, and then they, they split off into little fractal sub streets. Yeah, I like, like that. A, like, like, like a suburb. Yes. Hmm? Uh, it's very much like a suburb. Okay. 
And uh, so, so there's nothing can be done about it. It's just there now. But I think I tweeted this, the red light right after last week's show. Now the red lights off. <clears throat> but that um, discounts the fact that it's a lizard because you don't just turn the light off on the lizard. It stays on all the time. If you have a lizard and it's if, not a shrine it? because you're not a Thai Wait, Buddhist well, one week thing? at a time Where's the shrine thing come from. Where, what are you implying there? You have yeah, to got emails about this, that, that people, Buddhist people were do, would do it as a shrine, that there is a special light on the shrine. Hmm. But right. I don't, I, I'm, it doesn't make any, I've thought a lot about that, doesn't make any sense. If it's a shrine, the light stays on, not just one night a week or for a week at a time. If you have a lizard, it doesn't just suddenly not need to be kept warm. It's got to be warm the same way all year. Dan, I have to tell you, I think it's time for some antics. I think it's time for all you right, to tell get me what to do. I'm do big... I went over and I went across the street. Like you said, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I all trust right. you. Okay. I, I want you and Cash and MJ to get matching uh, white overalls. Maybe kind of a little bit Mario type thing. Get, get funny hats. Act like you're painters. I want you to go over there. I want you to all, all three of you to have fake mustaches on. Really big, bushy, fake mustaches. Okay. I'm here to check out your windows. Uh, <laughs> and you go and you, you have a, a big ladder. And then there's some hijinks with you accidentally hitting your kid in the head with the ladder. Now, here's the other weird thing. Yeah. Since the, since the show, I noticed that there's a little, they have like a little gap at the top of the window. And they and now there's like a some kind of thicker blind material that's covering the window as if they're trying to block anyone from seeing in in a more dramatic way than before. They would just close the blinds. Now there's like a shade or something going down in front. Hmm. Also, wow, it's almost like they're covering something up. Right. This is privacy. Why do they want that? What are they doing in there? What were they hiding is what you're saying. I told you the green light went off on the one and there were all those cars there. Now the the green light is back on, but only half the nights. It's not Maybe on every it, night. It's anymore. only on when they're it's only on when they're reading the great cats. Like a signal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the East egg, West egg. It's one of the eggs. Yeah, it's the flashing light across the uh <laughs> This episode of Back to Work is sponsored by my liberal arts education. By Linda. Linda, Linda. Linda. Ah. I'm, reading, I'm, on, I'm on the Wikipedia page now for Tori, which are different kinds of Buddhist shrines. Let me do Linda, then we'll talk about the shrines. Linda.com slash back to work, L-Y-N-D-A. The online learning platform, they have over 3,000 on-demand video courses that help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills for a 10-day trial. You will go to Linda, L-Y-N-D-A, Linda.com slash back to work. And, you know, we've pointed people at this before, but I think it's it's a really good jumping in point because you're going to get the free trial. Why not learn how to get things done? GTD, David Allen himself running the Getting Things uh, Done course on Linda. Really great place to start. So many other things. I talk about it on the podcast method. But, like, if you want to learn how to edit shows, you want to learn Final Cut Pro, you want to get better at, you know, Google Docs. There's, like, Google Spreadsheets or Excel. I mean, you name it. They've got a great course. They got, is it Draplin or Draplin? The design guy. Oh, uh, it's either Draplin or Draplin. He does a thing on there. Like, they got really, really great people, experts in the field making these videos. You will get unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics, all for a flat rate, whether you're looking to become like an industry expert or you just want to, you're passionate about your hobby, you want to learn more about something. 
free 10-day trial, lynda.com slash back to work. Go check them out. Thanks very much to them for doing the show. Buddha Shrines. Oh, no, I don't have much on that. No, but I, I, I thank you to, to lynda.com. They help a lot of people. They're great. Yeah. And now nah, we don't have to talk too much about Buddhist shrines. I, I don't, I don't know, Dan. Um, could you, could you go over there with some kind of a contrivance? Again, perhaps a scheme, something where yes. you, you, maybe you could say you're a toilet inspector. Okay. And you're there from the hill, hill country. They will recognize me though. Not if you have a mustache on. Well, here's the thing about disguises. If you're a woman, you could go and get a nice quality wig and put on a pair of sunglasses. Nobody's going to know to you. Nobody's I mean, you go, go watch the Americans. You watch the Americans. They, they have great disguises. For a man, a wig. Sure, you get a wig and some glasses. Nobody can tell who you are. You can put a piece of paper in your shoe so you walk with a limp or a stone. And, uh, and you show up and then you just you carry yourself different. Yeah. But I, maybe you should send your wife over with a fake mustache. Not in a mean way. <laughs> I don't think she wants any part of this. <laughs> what did she say? She doesn't. When you, when you share your concerns, I've stopped talking about it. Mm. I've completely. She doesn't want to hear about it anymore. <laughs> I can't believe that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, marriage boat, is about boat. compromise, Merlin. Yes. Yes. One from column A, one from column B. <laughs> but, I mean, she'll see me looking looking out there once in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like I'm stationed there, you know, no, but every no. night I'll, I'll, sometimes you're photographing them, take an inventory. No, I don't photograph uh, except that one time for you. No, only their kids. That was for you. I wanted you to <laughs> identify the gun. I love when you send me people's pictures of people's children. I appreciate that. But now they've stopped that. It's very mysterious. Now is the, is, does the boat belong to the doctor? Yes. Oh, it's like he's taunting you. Never been invited. Never invited. That I would even brought everything. it up. I even brought it up in conversation. I said, oh, how do you get out on a boat like that? He's not the one with the red light, though, right? The, he's the green light. He's the green light. Okay. Okay, here you go. He's this the is, green light a, and the color guard. This is a classic misdirection. You go over uh, dressed like a... Uh, I'm like, not like, going like a, dressed like anything. Uh, he well, knows me. I can't me. help you then. You go over... But you're missing the point. If you go over dressed like a 19th century Commodore <laughs> with a big bushy mustache okay. and carrying a calendar, uh-huh. right? Like a current calendar, not an old calendar. Uh-huh, new. Uh-huh. Walk over to him and just say, oh, I was just looking at some of my open weekends. Uh, any idea what that red light is? You're, he's going to be so confused. He won't be able to do anything but invite you on the boat. Because obviously it's, it's, he it's, doesn't it's have the red light. What if you drew a boat on the calendar? No, no, that's the whole point. You're going over to ask about the red light. You're not asking about the green light. You're not a monster. But maybe if you drew, or maybe you photographed, had lots of photographs of his He's boat. never said, seen... You, <laughs> you take over, You like in the package from Walgreens, you take over literally 150 photographs of his boat and say, did you drop these? That's not creepy. <laughs> I don't have any questions about his boat, except what? that why aren't I invited out you're trying to, it? You're too on the nose, Dan. You got to have a little bit of a little squiggle to your path, right? If you want to figure... <laughs> Don't figure out what the red light is. You might need to get on the boat. That's a different person, though. He doesn't know anything about the red light. You go to so go to the red light people. Uh, dressed as a monk. You already kind of look like a monk. They know. Yeah, right. They know. Have a fake mustache. Buddhists can have mustaches, right? Uh, Ah, I don't know why you're so resistant to mustaches. It's always funny. (sighs) Oh, my dad had a mustache. Oh. That's sweet. For for most of my life. I just shaved. I really needed it, boy. Ooh. Are you on the two week two week <sighs> schedule? I get I get real gray. Oh, I bet I you do. 
Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. It's pretty gray. It's pretty gray. Not bad. Yeah. Okay, what if I come dressed as, as, as Commodore? Yeah, anyone help? else could do it. And I won't have an actual mustache. I'll just put my finger up under my nose like this. No. Say hello. The, hello. No. No. I'm just saying like there's, it's a simple thing. You know? It's not a dark room. Mm-mm. Not, not a dark room, not a lizard, not a Buddhist. No. We've ruled hmm. those things out. Hmm. And now your mind's casting about for what it could be. Yeah, I'm thinking about it right now. Could it be just like red lights? Nope. Nope. It's too bright, too harsh. Four down. Here's my uh, last idea. Uh, no, your, your, your current idea. Let's my current. Well, my latest idea. Your latest idea, not your last idea. Uh, dogs cannot see the red light spectrum. Maybe they have a dog in there. They like to hide from it. And they want to hide from the dog. Or they want to be able to come and go from the room they can see the dog can't see. They're doing some kind of training. Oh, this is good. Maybe it's like inheritance. Maybe they inherited a dog. Let's be honest. Nobody really wants a no dog. No one wants a dog. That's no right. No one likes they, dogs. They got to keep it. Maybe it's like sleeping in the haunted mansion. They got to keep the dog around long enough to get to get grandma's booty. And so they keep it in the room. <laughs> what? They want to still. I'm not done. They, they still want to be able to use the room so they can turn on their their plasma TV and go in there and and watch their programs. But they don't want the dog to see them. Maybe the dog is vicious. Maybe the dog is needy, and they don't want to be seen. But they want that money. I don't know. Grandma's booty. I don't know. Okay, let's button this up. All right. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin man. 